Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience. And today we bring you the story of two players, George Mikan and Wilt Chamberlain. Both of these players were two of the greatest basketball players of all time. Both were shoe-ins for the Hall of Fame. Back in 1950, the Associated Press decided to name the greatest player of all time in a bunch of different sports. For example, they named Babe Ruth as the greatest baseball player of all time. For the sport of basketball, the player chosen was George Mikan. That is how good Mikan was in his day. He was considered the greatest player of all time. But then Wilt Chamberlain came along and started wiping his sneakers with all of the old scoring records. During the 1960s, it was Wilt Chamberlain who was considered the greatest individual player of all time. In 1962, he averaged over 50 points per game for the entire season. That same season, he scored 100 points in a single game and played every single minute of that season except for a single five-minute break. In a way, these two players were too good for their eras. They were so dominant, there was nobody else in the league that could really slow them down, let alone shut them down. They were just better than everyone. So what can a league do when one player is simply dominating the rest of the competition to this degree? Well, they changed the rules. I mean, imagine a player that is so good at their sport that the league feels it necessary to create a rule that specifically limits the effectiveness of that player. Well, that is exactly what happened to George Mikan and Will Chamberlain. On two different occasions, the NBA decided to widen the lane or the three-second area. In the old days, they used to call it the key, Prior to the 1950s, the lane was only six feet wide, and when you look at the free throw circle combined with a six foot wide lane and the little hash marks to designate where everyone stands for a free throw, it all really looks like an old fashioned key. That's where the name comes from. Now, when George Mikan entered the NBA at the beginning of the 1948-49 season, he was the tallest player in NBA history at 6 foot 10 or 208 centimeters. He was an absolute giant among men. The three-second rule existed then just as it does today. An offensive player cannot camp out in the lane for more than three seconds at a time. At three seconds, a player needs to exit the lane before coming back in. With the lane only six feet wide, it means that George Mikan could stand just three feet away from the basket and still be outside of the lane. He could camp out just one step away from a dunk or a layup. For a man of his ability, he was just way too close to the basket with just a six foot wide lane. Therefore, in 1951, the NBA widened the lane from six feet to 12 feet. So now the lane was twice as wide as it used to be. The lane was just as wide as the diameter of the free throw circle. The lane in the NBA was equal to what the college 
lane is still today. Again, this rule was specifically to reduce Mikan's effectiveness. If he wanted to camp out near the basket, he was going to have to stand at least six feet away from the basket instead of three feet. In one sense, it worked and made things more difficult for Mikan, but he was so talented that covering six feet to get to the basket for a dunk or a layup was still not that much of a problem. After all, Mikan still won three NBA championships with the Lakers after the rule was put into place. After that, he began to lose his effectiveness because he was simply getting old, not because of widening the lane. By the way, as a side note, the NBA also added the goaltending rule specifically because of Mikan. What Mikan used to do is stand near the basket on defense and he could simply snatch any jump shot out of the air before it hit the rim. You know how Kevin Garnett used to block shots taken after the whistle was blown just to try to intimidate the opposition? Well, that is what Mikan used to do during the game. There was no rule that said you could not swat a shot out of the air as it was on his downward trajectory toward the basket. And since there was no rule about it, Mikan used to block a lot of shots this way. He would simply swat away any shot just before it hit the rim. Again, it was a rule to limit his effectiveness. Now, getting back to the lane, it was left at 12 feet wide for over a decade, and it worked quite nicely. Of course, a second player came along that required even further widening. And I'll be right back after this break with that part of the story. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One Gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of you unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876 including t-shirts long sleeve shirts phone cases mugs blankets pillows towels and even shower curtains go to sportshistorynetwork.com row number one for access to the full row one catalog and for gallery prints and gift items plus get a 15 percent discount off all prints on the row one pictorum gallery with coupon code shn15 follow the link on the show notes Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, you know, within reason. Garage sales, probably not. So go <laughs> ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports.
Welcome back to the show and let us continue with the story of how the lane was widened in the NBA. We just shared how the NBA widened the lane from 6 feet to 12 feet in 1951 because of George Mikan. Well, in 1964, it was necessary for the NBA to widen it even further. Wilt Chamberlain was the new tallest player in NBA history at 7 foot 1 or 216 centimeters. As I mentioned, he was an absolute scoring machine. He scored over 37 points and grabbed 27 rebounds per game as a rookie. Yes, as a rookie. In his second season, he raised his average to over 38 points per game and increased his rebounds to well over 27 per game. In his third year, he went up to 50 points per game and just under 26 rebounds per game. He was breaking scoring and rebounding records like they were twigs. The NBA decided that something had to be done. With a 12-foot wide lane, Wilt Chamberlain had to stand six feet away from the basket without being called for a three-second violation. But for Chamberlain, who was not only taller but had much longer legs than Mikan, six feet was still only one step away from a dunk or a layup, or in Chamberlain's specific case, a finger roll, which he loved. Chamberlain was simply too dominant to be just one step away from the basket. Nobody could stop him. So in 1964, which was the summer after Chamberlain's fifth season in the NBA, the league decided to widen the lane even more from 12 feet to 16 feet, which is where it still is today. The idea of the rule, of course, was to limit Chamberlain's effectiveness. Now, it did not really work because Chamberlain scored 35 points per game in that first season after the rule change. Two years later, he won his first NBA championship with the Philadelphia 76ers in 1967. His scoring dropped that year in 1967 from 33 to 24 points per game, but that was mostly because he was purposely playing a team-oriented style, which is exactly what Philadelphia needed from him that year because they had scores all over the place. In 1972, he again reduced his scoring in order to pursue a championship with the Lakers when he was the teamed up with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich, who were the main scorers on that team. Now, the whole thing reminds me of another story about a conversation that took place between Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. And actually, it was more of an argument than a conversation. The setting for it was the 1996 during the All-Star Weekend. That year, the NBA named the 50 greatest players in NBA history, and both Chamberlain and Jordan made the list, obviously. The league had gathered 48 out of the 50 greatest players on the list, and they were able to attend that weekend. They were in a room together getting ready to take the court for a halftime ceremony honoring all of these great players. Now, just picture that for a moment. In one room was George Mikan, Bill Russell, Bob Cousy, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, Julius Irving, Charles Barkley, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, Oscar Robertson, Walt Frazier, Moses Malone, Shaquille O'Neal, and the rest of the greatest players. While all of these guys were catching up and getting ready to take the court, off in the corner were Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan, arguing over which one of them was the better player. Now, Commissioner David Stern announced that it was time to go. He also noticed that Chamberlain and Jordan were arguing in the corner. Now, Stern was not intimidated being in a room with basketball royalty. With all of the authority that he could muster, he told Chamberlain and Jordan it was time to go. So Chamberlain got the last word in on that argument. He said to Jordan that the NBA changed the rules to make it harder for Chamberlain, but that the NBA changed the rules to make it easier for Jordan. I have thought about that conversation and I do not have a serious counter argument against Chamberlain's statement. He is absolutely right. The NBA specifically tried to limit Chamberlain's effectiveness and Mikan before him. But for Michael Jordan, 
The NBA eliminated hand checking while he was off playing baseball in 1994, but he benefited from the rule change upon his return to the Bulls. So I guess that is one counter argument to what Chamberlain said. When the NBA modified the hand checking rule, Jordan was not even in the NBA at the time. So it is difficult to say that they did it specifically for Jordan, although he did benefit from it greatly. But in any case, that is how the lane went from six feet wide prior to the 1950s to 16 feet wide by the mid 1960s. It has been nearly 60 years since the lane reached 16 feet wide and it has not been changed since. And that is probably a good thing. I cannot imagine the lane getting any wider. I supposed if a bunch of eight foot players started joining the league and then maybe the NBA would consider widening it further. But until that, the game is good with a 16 foot wide lane at the NBA level. Well, that is it for today. Join us next week when we share the story of the NBA Legends Classic. It is a game that the NBA used to play over All-Star Weekend. It was an exhibition game for retired NBA players to participate in. In baseball, they call it the Old Timers game. And this was the NBA's equivalent. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.